Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. Let's start at the top. The Mishnah Nuhayim and Aleph. Hanoder min hadogon. Somebody takes a vow restricting themselves from dogon. Dogon, right? Yeah, dogon is grain, correct? So, what is exactly implied in dogon? Is the machlokas tanoim? It's a debate. Also, before the Mitzri Yavesh, Divrei Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says this includes not only five grains, but the term dogon includes dried Egyptian beans. So Rabbi Meir understands that dogon includes not just the five grains, but a broader sense anything that is subject to digun to being gathered in like the five grains. So he has a broader interpretation of the word dogon. Mm-hmm. say no, dogon is limited to the five grains. Rashi, Just wheat, barley, spelt, rye, and oat. Rabbi Meir Omer. Hanoder min hatvua, eno asar el b'chamesh zaminim. Although Rabbi Meir understands dogon in a broader sense, he learns that the terminology of tvua is more limited, and it's only the five grains. Aval hanoder min hadogon asar b'kol. However, one who makes a nether restricting from himself, dogon, is prohibited in everything that is subject to digun. What does digun mean? A digun is the, the process of, of piling up the produce that is gathered. Huh. So that's making a, a Cree, is the the term of a, the piling. Hmm. And it is nonetheless permitted to have fruits of the tree or of vegetables, meaning people don't gather those in, in a way, the fruits, fruits of the tree or vegetables, those are not gathered in the same way. It's not subject to digun. So that would not be included in the vow. Let's see. Continuing in Rashi, Rabbi Meir Omer, In this, certainly, he concedes, One who takes a vow restricting himself from tevua is not prohibited other than the five grains. Mashma, the Bach changes. The implication of the word dogon, anything that is subject to digun, anything that is made into a pile. Yavesh and dried beans from Egypt. they are piled up. Therefore they are prohibited. Why would somebody Take upon themselves to not 
pile up those grains? Oh, the, the process of harvest and storage, that's, that's just a, a question of, of the custom. But why would somebody take upon themselves a vow in general to restrict themselves from anything is a, a general question. A, a vow is a form of restriction that can help a person uh, break a bad habit, for example, or something like that. If, if they're uh, having a, a challenging time and they want to limit themselves right. to, to break some... So it would be, it might be temporary, right? Oh, certainly. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the typical vow is temporary. But yeah, if, if he is taking this vow, the question is what is included in this restriction? So that's where we have this debate. So according to the Chachamim, it doesn't make a difference whether he uses the term Dagon or Tvua. Either terminology, the Chachamim learned in a limited sense, just the five grains. Rabbi Meir is the one who disagrees. Rabbi Meir says that there is a difference and anodim and adogon is going to include dry goods that are also subject to digun. And it's not only polamitri, but anything that is like polamitri. That's, that's the hemshech of the Mishnah, Asr Bakol, that, that uh, if he says tevua, so he agrees that tevua is a narrow terminology, but if he says dogon, so that includes any type of dry goods that are piled up as part of the harvest and storage process, but there's a limit to that as well, even according to Rabbi Meir, does not include fruits of the tree or vegetables. Let's, yeah. But those wouldn't necessarily be dry goods, right? They would not be dry goods, presumably, right. So it sounds like the, the important point is that they're dry goods. Yeah, if they're, if they're stored like grains are typically stored as dry goods. Correct. So that's the Mishnah. Let's see the Gemara. The Memra de Dogon called to Midgan Mashma. This seems to imply that the terminology of Dogon, at least according to Rabbi Meir, includes anything that is subject to Digon, anything that is piled up. Let's see Rashi. As the verse states, anything that is gathered in, mashma is included. And the implication of that is that it would be subject to the obligation to set aside a tithe or various tithes from the Torah, even from other things like legumes, these dried Egyptian beans, other things like that. That is the implication of Rabbi Meir. Wait, does that mean that if you... Okay, you... Now I'm getting confused. If you have a... If you take a vow to not uh, have Dagon, there's also a tithe implied with that. So does that mean you, you still have to do the, the, the tithe or... It's it's a corollary point that the Gemara is bringing out. It's it's on a 
on the presumption of Rabbi Meir that Dogon is, is a, a broad terminology, not five grains, so then the Gemara is proposing that Rabbi Meir should include in the obligation of tithes not only five grains, but also these other fruits. Also the fruit other, well, well, not fruits of the tree, but other produce, like uh, like these Egyptian dried oh. beans that are subject to the process of digun. The Torah does require maestros, the tithes. The question is, what's included in that obligation? That's a, a question. Does Rabbi Meir, in fact, hold that? And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like Rabbi Meir should hold that in as much as he inter- interprets the word dogon, which the Torah uses broadly, that would also have implications, not just for vows, but also for tithes. That he'll require tithes biblically, broadly. And would that mean that even though you've taken a vow to not uh, engage in dogon, consume dogon, consume dogon, you would still have to do the matzah, right? Or well, rabbinically, it's not debated. There would be a requirement rabbinically. The question is, what is the biblical implication of dogon? That's what the Gemara is working on now. So meaning, independent of what he's not allowed to eat, is a separate question. Even if he didn't make a restriction on himself, if the word dogon is learned as a broad terminology for anything that's piled up in the process of harvesting, so then that would be subject to tithes as well. Mesut Rav Yosef, Yosef asks a question based on this hanacha, based on this presumption of the Gemara, Rav Meir has to learn Psukim also. There's a verse in Divra Yamim, Beis, Amen Alfei, Bechifrotz HaDavar, Hiru B'nei Yisrael, Reishis Dagon, Tirash V'Yitzar, Udevash, Chol Tvuas Sade, Masra Kol Arov Heviu. So this is a, a verse describing the enactment of a rabbinic decree spearheaded by Chizkiyahu HaMelech, King Hezekiah, and as it gained steam and popularity, there was an outpouring of tithes that were rabbinic beyond the biblical requirement. Let's see how Rashi explains it. They accepted upon themselves the decree of Chizkiah to take tithes from everything. As the verse states, the Jewish people increased. They did more. If you learn, like the Chachamim, like the sages, that Dagon is limited, it just means the five grains, therefore, it's easily understood what the verse is saying, that the children of Israel gave in excess more than just the five grains. Even things that were not biblically subjected to the obligation of tithes, like other things that are gathered in and piled up, they would take tithes from those in order to strengthen the decree. But if you say like Rabbi Meir, that Dagon already is a broad terminology of anything that is subject to digun, to this gathering in, what is the understanding of the verse? That as the matter went forth, the children of Israel gave in excess. In what way did they increase beyond 
the obligation of the Torah. If you learn Dagon is already a broad terminology, what was the increase? So that's Rav Yosef's question. The Rosh explains, My the Gemara's question. What does the word dogon imply? If it implies anything that is subject to digun, the end of the verse, all of the grain of the field, what is included? What is the extra import of that part of the verse? What is it coming to increase? What is the implication that they did more than that? The children of Israel went beyond that. Specifically, the rush is sharpening the question that the end of the verse says, And Tavuah is not a particularly controversial term, as we saw in the Mishnah. That Rabbi Meir concedes. Tavuah is only the five grains. So what is the addition? If you say Dagon is also just five grains, so perhaps we, we could work with it. But if you say that Dagon is broad and Tvua is narrow, so what is the Hirbu? Amr Abaye, Abaye answers, Lasuye perasa'ilam, v'yerek. It's coming to include the fruits of the tree, and vegetables, that is what the inclusion of, of Hirba B'nai Israel is coming to teach, more than just the simple, narrow definition of Dagon, according to Rabbi Meir, that includes anything that is subject to the gathering in and piling up of that produce, but they even gave tithes from fruits of the trees and vegetables. Rabbi Meir Omer Hanoder Min Next part of the Mishnah. So Rameir says that Tvua is a narrow term. Only the five grains. Wheat, barley, spelt, rye, and oat. We have a Braisa that supports this assertion. And there's an equivalence. This is not debated between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim that one who takes a vow restricting themselves from Tvua, which is another term for grain that is more restricted, the only restriction there is the five grains. Shita, this is obvious. Maudutema, what would I have thought to say? Tvua, kol mili mashma. I would have thought maybe Tvua is broader. I would have thought that Tvua is also a broad terminology, particularly according to Bimeir. Kamashmo, and therefore it comes to teach you, Delo mashma kolmili, that tvua is actually a restrictive term. It just means the five grains. But dagan could... Could mean anything that's subject to digun, anything gathered in and piled up. another term I'm seeing here, which you might have said, alalta? Alalta, yes. What does that mean? Ah, that's a, that's a million dollar question. What does alalta mean? We're going to get to that soon. Alalta is a big fight. Mesiv Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef asks a question. 
This same verse we saw in Debe Yamim. Amar Rava, Rava said, Tvua l'chud. Tvua's sade l'chud. Rava explained that the term Tvua is limited, just means the five grains. So even though this verse does say Tvua, but when it says the further clarification, Tvua's sade, it means not just the five grains, when it mentions of the field, it means the broader terminology. Tvuasada is coming to include more. Tvuasada lerov is the is the verse. Let's see Rashi. Alma did tvua mash makol mili. Dahaksiv tvuasada. Lamachesh meishon minim ekru tvua. This the Gemara says pshita, right? The Gemara says, how do you? Why do you need a, a brayser to tell you this? That tvua is a restricted term. So based on this verse, you, you would have thought perhaps that Tvua is implying anything. And that's, that's Akasha. But the, the Rav explains, no, Tvua by itself is actually a restrictive term, like the Brysa said, and Tvua Soda implies anything. Tvua Soda is another terminology, the produce of the field that... Is, is broader than just Tavua. Tavua alone is, is limited to the five grains, but Tavua Sadeh, the, the produce of the field, that is a broader terminology. <laughs> the implication of Tavua Sadeh is any aspect of growth from the field. So the the Gemara is is bringing forth this machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbanon. We'll see in Hemshech how we paskin. It's a, it's a bit controversial how to paskin in this issue. Now you were asking about Alalto. Let's see the Gemara. Bar Mar Shmuel, the son of the master Shmuel, Hokid. He made a declaration that he was going to give 13,000 Zuz to Rava from the Alalta, which is the produce, something that comes up from the river of Panya. So he has all these properties, Mar, uh, the son of Marshmuel. And he's donating to support a large sum, 13,000 Zuz, for Rava. But it's specified from Alalta. The question is, what does Alalta mean? That is the big question. Shalcha Rava l'kameidra of Yosef. So Rava sent before of Yosef. Alalta heiche mikaryo. What is the exp- explanation of this Aramaic term, Alalta? Until now, we were speaking about biblical terms in the Mishnah. And what is the implication of Alalta? That is the question. What can be collected, so to speak, to satisfy this donation from Alalta? Amr of Yosef, Masnison or Masnisa, he. This is a Brisa. The Brisa we just saw. 
Rav Yosef equates Alalta with the simple translation from Hebrew of Tvua to Aramaic. Alalta. So Alalta is, is basically Tvua. Well, that's what Rav Yosef says. And it is equivalent when, when the Raisa says one who makes a vow abstaining from Tvua, the only thing that's restricted are the five species, the five grains. So Alalta, according to Rav Yosef, is the same thing. It's just Aramaic for Tvua. Amar le Abaye midami Abaya pushes back on what Rav Yosef said. He says, is that really true? The word in Hebrew, Tvua, is clearly limited. That's only the five grains. But Alalta, Alalta sounds like anything. Anything that comes up, anything that ascends, this should be much more broadly uh, accessible for satisfying this debt that Bar incurred upon himself to donate to Rava, not only from the five grains. Adrul Kameid Rava, this was brought before Rava, Amar Haloka Mibayli, Delalta Kolimili Mashma. Rava said, I don't have a question that the word Alalta is broad. It implies everything. Ado Dibayli, but I do have a question, meaning, for sure, it's beyond five grains, not like Rav Yosef said. But what is my question? I do have a question about Alalta. Sarbati Muschar Sfinos. My. The reward, the rental income from renting out homes or renting out ships. He's got, he's got boats that he's renting out. He's got these properties and he's got rental income from them. My, is this included in Alalta? Is this called something that comes up? Some type of income, if you will. What is included by Alalta? Mi Amrinon. So Alalta, according to him, might even be beyond any type of produce or dried goods. Oh, yeah. It could be. Rava's learning that it's very broad, but he has a question if it's so broad to include even these rental incomes, or maybe not. He explains why not. Kivon, de pechosin, lavalaltahi. Do we say, inasmuch as there's some degree of depreciation, these, produ- th- these rents come in and the actual home or, or apartment, whatever it is that he's renting out, the boat, there's depreciation through the usage of it. So he, rent, he rents it out, something comes up, but there's depreciation. And there's no depreciation in Tua or Dagon because that's... That's either consumed or it isn't consumed, right? And, and presumably the field is considered intact. It doesn't right. take away. The field will be there in the future. It's something that he takes care of his land. The field is not actually going down in value, right. but the boat is going down in value. It's going to need to maintain his property and the wear and tear of the property. Adrul Kamedurab. Ama. Halo Kamibarli. Dalalta Kolmili. Mashma. Rava said... I don't have a question that Alalta includes everything, meaning beyond the five grains. Ado Duboili. My question really was as follows. Schar batim the wages, the rental income from properties and boats. 
Somebody rents out their homes or apartments, ships. My, what is the halacha? Mi amrinon, do we say, kivon, tipchosam, lavalaltohi, that since there is depreciation, although there is rental income coming from these properties, their usage causes the, the loss of value to some degree. Therefore, that's not called halal. It's not called something coming up. Since the pras, this depreciation, is not readily visible, it's not quite known at any point, meaning it's, it's a small degree of wear and tear, but it's not a, a glaringly obvious degradation of the property from the, the rental income. So alalta, it is still called alalta. That's the shaila that Rabbi had. Meaning he understands alalta is definitely more than five grains, not like Rabbi Yosef. His question is, how much more? Does it include any income, anything that comes up? Or something that comes up in a way that is not a pure gain, so to speak. There's also depreciation. Perhaps that's not included in Alalta. Amrua Rabbanu Kameh Rav Yosef. Word got back to Rav Yosef. The rabbi said it over. Rav Yosef was one who said Alalta is the Targum, the Aramaic, for the Tevua, the, the narrow interpretation of five grains. And you have Rava here saying a very broad interpretation of Alalto. Omar, so what did Yosef say? If he doesn't need us, why is he sending us questions? Rav Yosef was makbid, he was offended by this activity of Rava that he was willing to send a question, but then not willing to abide by the answer. Shomer Rava, Rava heard that Rav Yosef was upset about it. But also, And he came before him on Erev Yom Kippur. Erev Yom Kippur is a good time to appease somebody that you've wronged. And Rava wanted to apologize. Can you hear that? He wanted to show that he didn't mean to offend Rav Yosef. And he found Rav Yosef's attendant was preparing wine for him. It's a siyua. It's a support for the idea that Erev Yom Kippur is a yamtiv. He's, he's busy drinking wine, Erev Yom Kippur. Omar Leh, he said to him, Have li de amzigle, Ana, let me prepare the wine for him. So they had a thick wine concentrate that they would mix in water. There are various amounts of water that would be mixed in. Yoiv Leh, so he gave it to him. And Rava was the one, instead of his regular attendant, Rava prepared the wine for him. Kikoshasi, when Rav Yosef drank this wine, Amar, Hadein Mizigo, Mizgo, Domi Mizgo de Rava Bereid Rav Yosef Barhamo. This wine has been cut, diluted, in the manner 
that it is typically done by Rava, the son of Rav Yosef, the son of Chama. Amarle, who knew? He said, he's the, one, he's the one who did it. You're right. Rav Yosef was blind. So he couldn't see him. But Rava was the one who prepared the wine. And Rava used a higher level dilution than others. So Rav Yosef was able to tell. He said, this is Rava-style wine preparation. Amalei lo tesev akarech ad pirusha dadein milsa. So he understood that Rava came with the intention of being mafaisim to appease him. So he said, explain to me this verse, this matter. What is written? Also describing a certain series of travels. What is the implication of this verse? What is the import of this verse? I'm like Kivon, Kamidbar. answered, Rav Yosef. Since a person, if a person makes himself like a desert, that's Umi Midbar, that he makes himself available for all. Torah Nitnalo Bematan. Then the Torah is given to him as a gift. Shenamar, as the verse states. Umi midbar matana, and from the desert, matana, from a desert to a gift. And once the Torah is given to him as a gift, it is made as an inheritance by God. Which Rashi speaks out. That not only is it a gift, but it is as though it's an inheritance. So that's the the next madrega, the, the next level. He makes himself like Hefker, like a midbar, given as a gift, and then even a greater degree of acquisition of Torah, like an inheritance. Once he has this degree of acquisition of Torah, that it is as though an inheritance of God, then he ascends to greatness. And from Nachaliel to Bamos, from the inheritance of God to the heights. And if, however, he raises himself up, then God will push him down. The Holy One, be He, will lower him. Shanamar, as the verse states, Umibamos, Hagai. Next verse. Umibamos Hagai. And a continuity of this verse. Or there's another version. Which the Tosa says, and addresses. It's like the threshold that is trampled. 
not only is he brought down, but he is sunken into the ground and trampled. As the verse says, But if he does teshuva, if he returns and forsakes this haughtiness that he has lifted himself up with, then God, the Holy One, blessed be He, will lift him up. Shenamar, as it's stated, top of Nunhamid Beis, Kol Ge Yinose. All those who are high will be lifted up. So that was the exposition that Rava set over before of Yosef in this overture of appeasement explaining this series of, of psukim. The Ran explains, The idea here, why did Rav Yosef ask him to give an exposition of these verses, was to warn Rava that he should be of exceedingly humble spirit. So here we have Machlokas between Rava and Rav Yosef. What is the implication of Al-Alto? There's, there's no resolution right here in the Gemara. But let's, let's take a look. We're going to come back to this. Let's, let's get until the Mishnah and we'll take a look in the post over here. Tanya Hanodim and Adogon also af before Mitzri Yavish. Tanya Braisa, one who takes a vow restricting himself from grain, uh, the Dogon. As we saw, the Braisa, the Stam Braisa is like Rabbi Meir. The Dogon includes even these dry beans. Umoter Belach, but if they are fresh, then they are not subject to digun. They are not piled together like grain. And therefore is not prohibited from the, the vow restricting Dagan. Umotabe Ariz, similarly, he's permitted to eat rice. Bechikla, Betigris, Ovetisni, as well as various chopped grains of the five grains. As she says, Chitash Nechlekes, Lishnaim, that's Chilka, split wheat. Tigris is three pieces. Tisni is four pieces. So these cut grains are already not held and stored in these piles like full grains, whole grains. And therefore they're not included in Dagon even though they are five grains. If one takes a vow restricting himself from the fruits of the year, also Bechol Peres all the fruits of that year are prohibited. But he's permitted to consume the young kids, the goats, the young lambs, 
and the milk and the eggs, and the young chicks. If he says, not not the fruits of the year, but the growths of the year, then that's a more expansive term, and he's prohibited in all of these things. If one takes a vow, restricting from himself the fruits of the land, also bechol peiros ha'aretz. He's not allowed to eat all the fruits of the land. Umoter bekmeina pitrios. But he's allowed to eat mushrooms, truffles. Vim amar gidule karkolai. If he said that which grows from the ground are prohibited upon me, also bekulon. Then he's prohibited in all of them, including these mushrooms and truffles. Viramini we have a kasha, a challenge to this idea. On something that is not considered gidulo min arts, growing from the ground, the blessing is shahakol. Vitanya and the Brisa says, On salt and brine and mushrooms and truffles, the correct blessing is shahakol. Meaning, it's not dover shigidulo min arts. Abaye resolved this, that it does in fact grow forth from the ground. But its sustenance is from the air and not from the ground. But what do you do with the, the teaching that the Nusach of the Brisa is on something that is not called Gidulo Mina Aretz? That's the, the mashmos, you say shahakal, so it sounds like these mushrooms are not called gidulamina aretz. Why are they restricted? It's meant to be understood as something that does not derive its sustenance from the ground in a unique manner. It's unlike other produce that grows from the ground. It grows in the ground, but it's not really being sustained from the ground. So, Mushrooms and truffles are unique in that regard. Okay, so before we see the next Mishnah, let's take a look at the tour. The tour Helkas Nadarim, Simon Rashid Zion says. When he takes a vow, restricting himself from tevua, which we saw is the limited designation of five grains. Oh, or takes a vow in the translation, the Aramaic translation of alalta. He's only restricted from consuming the five grains. That's it. Not more. Mehadogon, if he restricts himself from Dogon, which that was the Machlokas, Rabbi Meir and Chachamim, Kam Rabbi Meir, She'asu b'chol mine ketnius, Chutz, Mechilka, Tigris, Betisni, She'en chitin, Nifrochin, Achaz, Shnaim, Shlosha. Rabbi Meir says, Dogon is a broad term for anything that is gathered in in piles. As part of the harvesting and storage process, 
So that includes more than just five grains, also legumes, but it does not include split grains, even of the five grains, even of wheat, cut into two, three, or four pieces. But the Chachamim disagree, and they understand that Dagon is also to be understood in a narrow sense, only the five grains. And it appears from the words of my master, my father, Rabbeinu Asher, a blessed memory. That he rules like Rabbi Meir, which is somewhat shocking. But from the words of the Ramban, it appears that he paskins like the Chachamim, which is more expected. Normally, this is Machlokas, Rabbi Meir and Chachamim, we would paskin like the Chachamim. And the Rush, although he's the father of the Tur, you'd think maybe the Tur would be inclined to paskin like his father, he's, to the contrary, inclined to paskin like the Ramban. He says... What is he going to do? It's more mistaber, like the Ramban. V'chein kazav Rambam. And the Rambam agrees with the Ramban. So, he seems to be throwing his weight behind the opinions of the Ramban and the Rambam that rule like the Chachamim and marginalizing the opinion of his father, the Rosh, who seems to pass in like Rabbi Meir. Uh, as Rav Shekin said, in Torah, only chutzpah. What's he going to do? He thinks, That's what the Rush, what the Tour says. He's, he's paskening like the Chachamim. And what do the Chachamim hold? They learn in a more narrow sense. Tvua is Chamesh Zaminin, just the five grains. Dogon, just the five grains. The, the question of halalta, we saw in the Gemara, is a disagreement between Rav Yosef and Rava. Halalta is the Targum, it's the Aramaic translation of Tuvua. And Rav Yosef learns it in a narrow sense, five grains. And Rava learns it in a broad sense, to include much more than that. Anything that comes up, He's not sure if it includes even rental income when there's depreciation, but he learns alalta is quite broad. The Gemara doesn't give a resolution how to pass it on this question of alalta. Let's take a look at the Bach. Bach says, A dog and come to Meir Chulu, Mishnah Shamp looks at Meir Vachachamim, Mashkos of Yerim and Divri Arash. That which the tour says it appears from what his father, the Rush, wrote, the Paskins like Rimeir, he quotes the Stam Brysa of Rimeir, Tonilo, Anurbanadogan Osir, Apopolamitri Yovish, Umutur Belach, Mutur Be'eriz, Bechilka, Tigris, Obitisni. The fact that the Rush quotes a Brysa Stam, the Dogon, is broader than just five grains. The prohibition of Dogon includes the dried Egyptian beans. 
and even more than that, anything that is gathered in and piled up like that for storage. Because of Beis Yosef, Davatamu, Maro Lefsukiyochid Mokam Rabim. Vod Herach Ansham, Beis Yosef is surprised at the rush, as apparently is the tour. The time of Shal Harash. Where is the rush coming from? Says the Bach. Kivon, did Rava Svirale? Since Rava holds, the Alalta, Kolmili Mashma. Rava is the one who holds, Alalta is very broad. In Cain, Balkarchin is Svirale, Krabi Meir. It must be that Rava holds like Rabbi Meir. You're right, the rule is that we go like the Rabbim against the Yochid. That's the general rule. Even by Stam Brisa. So we should be paskining like the Chachamim. That's the Pella. Why is the Rosh paskining like Rabbi Meir? Says the Bach, the key to understanding why the Rosh paskins like Rabbi Meir against the Chachamim is look at what happens next. What does Rava do? Rava says Alalta is broad. Alalta includes any growth. Alalta is the translation of Tvua. So it must be, says the Bach, that Rava holds like Rabbi Meir. The Benodim in Hadogon also call Mini Demidgon. That he understands the one who takes a vow restricting himself from Dogon is prohibited from all matters that are gathered in. If Rava would have held like the Rabbanon, that learn, even Dogon does not include more than the five grains, how could he entertain the possibility? How could he have held that Alalta, how could Rava have held that Alalta is so broad, even more so than Dogon? If Rava says Alalta, which is a Targum of Tua, means anything, he has to hold, like Rabbi Meir, that Kol the Midgan is included in Dogon. Anything that is subject to the process of harvest like Dogon, like the five grains. Dabshita, Deloshin Dogon, Kol the Midgan, Miloshin Alalta. He says it's Pashit. That's what Shirkin said. Whenever the, the Rav said Pashit, Pshita, that was the, the weakness in the Shir. Okay, the Bach is saying Pshita. It's obvious. The Loshan Dogon, the terminology of Dogon, includes more than Kol Mila Demidgon, Miloshan Alauta, the Eno El Targum Shal The translation of Tvua is Alauta. It's the Aramaic word for Tvua. So Kol Mila Demidgon. If, if Rava is learning Alalta in such a broad way, it's not reasonable, says the Bach, to say that he learns Dogon in such a narrow sense. He has to pass him like Rabbi Meir. He could only be compatible with Rabbi Meir. El Balkorchen de Dogen kol mili demidgon mashma ki Rabbi Meir. According to Rava, Alma, the Lach That implies that the Lach is like Rabbi Meir. Baha lo ashkachan de polegale Rabbi Yosef. And in this matter, he goes further, he says, even though this is all built on the idea of what Rava says, we don't find Rav Yosef arguing about this point. Interesting. Meaning even though Rav Yosef does argue and say Alalta is just Hamesha Saminim, 
But we don't find him saying, Behedyei Paskins, like the Rabbanon against Chachamim. Pella. Pella. Baholo Ashkechan, the Pali Galei Rav Yosef. And that the Pashtus, Pashib Shah, Lachera, as Rav Yosef says, in answering the question, what is Alalta? He says, it's a Braisa. Alalta is Hamesh's Minim, it's Tevua. Okay, so their argument is in Alalta. But what about Dagon? In Dagon, claims the Bach, they don't even argue. Dagon, they're going to agree that the Psak is like Rabbi Meir, it's anything that is subject to Digun. Okay? So that's that's the way the Bach understands the Rosh. That in as much as Rava entertains this broad view of Alalta, which is the targum, the translation of a, of a narrow term of Tvua, Kol Shikain, he's going to have to interpret Dogon, which is by definition a broader term, as the correct implication uh, uh, that, that Dogon itself must mean more than just five grains. It has to mean anything that's subject to Digon, anything gathered in and stored in piles, like five grains. So, uh, according to this, let's, let's take the logic of the Bach here, saying according to the Rush, that Alalta, he says, is, is broad. It's anything that that comes up, any produce. Okay, we find that Rabba's not sure if it includes income from, from rental property or from boats, something that has depreciation. But he learns it in a very broad way, alalto. So if he's if he's saying that that's that's the whole area of debate. But what about by by the Lushan of Dogon, so the Psak should be anything that is subject to Digun. That's that's the the Rosh's Psak. And what about Alalta itself? What what is going to be the, the halacha for Alalta? I mean there there is a debate. There's a debate between Rav Yosef and Rava. How far is Alalta meant to extend? Rav Yosef learns it in, in a very narrow sense, just Tavua, five grains. And Rava learns it in an extremely broad sense. But what is the Psak over there? That's a good Shiloh. According to, to the according to this idea, Yesh Yesh Liton, it's it's conceivable that the Rush should understand that the Psak is like Rava. As much as he's building it, at least from the, the Bach's perspective, where the Rush is coming from, that's what you might have thought. But Lachera, it's Mefurish in the Rush, not that way. The Vais Yosef quotes Chuvas Harash. By Rosh Pirish Kol Mili Mashma, Dalalta Mashma Kol Davar, Meulo Meshubach, because of Bipsakov, 
Mistabli Tamadur Yosef. He says the Halacha seems like Rav Yosef. That's that's what the Rush says. Meaning that Alalta is to be understood in a narrow sense. Given the Tagaminon, Tivua Alalta, Behu Belashin Tago, Tziva, Havakil Belashin Ivrit Tziva. Since Tivua and Alalta are the same word just translated from Hebrew to Aramaic, so it's Mistaber, like Rav Yosef said. That's the Brisa. Tavua is not controversial. It's just the five grains. So Alalta is Mistaber, like Rav Yosef, not like Rav. So Enochanami, the Rush says clearly that he's paskening in Tshuva like Rav Yosef. It's Mistaber, Mistaber Taimei. He's noted that way because that is the Targum. But the Bach explains, nonetheless, he is building the Psak of Rabbi Meir to learn Dogon in a broader sense based on the fact that Rava interprets Alalta so broadly. And he even adds that Yosef doesn't argue in that aspect. I mean, he's not going to argue, doesn't, we don't find him explicitly arguing about Dogon. The Homachlokas is about Alalta, which is the Targum of Tvua. It continues the base Yosef for his own part. He says, Kivan to Abaye, Sasa de Rav Yosef. Since Abaye contradicted the words of Rav Yosef, Vishasak lay, and he was silent. Mashma do you do it odele? Sounds like he agreed to him. Vigam Rava Savakavase, and also Rava agreed. Vafilu Lamai de Havisakadaite de Rav Yosef. And even according to the Havmina of Rav Yosef, Kvarkasa Varash, Shitamashum. So first, he's quoting the Ran. Just let's look at the Ran inside. Has the Ran Paskin? Linear Halacha. Ran says that in trying to resolve the halacha, this question of Rava was not resolved. The question of what is collectible from Alalta. Therefore, it's not, he, he may not collect from the rental income from homes or from renting out ships. When somebody's coming to collect, so he's he's holding this document, so to speak, that he can collect from Alalta, but if there's any vagueness within what is subject to collection, so his hand is lower, meaning he, he can't extract from the one who is Mosik, the one who has the property. But the Ran says, we're going to have the opposite sack for Nadarim. When it comes to a neder of alalta, so although in the in the actual question at hand in the Gemara about collection from alalta, the ran is paskening that alalta is to be interpreted narrowly. How narrowly? Not very narrowly. He's learning it pretty broadly. He's only excluding the rental incomes. 
because that's there's depreciation. But he's he's learning it way more broadly than Rav Yosef. So he's paskining like Rava. That against the rush. The rush says to paskin like Rav Yosef, five grains. But the Ran is saying, not just five grains, Rava's right. Even though he he came to appease Rav Yosef on Yom Kippur, the Ran says, nonetheless, he's right. And in his question, that's unresolved. In his question, that Alalta might include these rental incomes or not, to collect from that he can't, but for Nedarim, when it comes to Nadarim, if he would restrict himself from Alalta, what is he not allowed to eat? And what is he not, not allowed to benefit from if he's restrict, restricting himself from Alalta? So Rav Yosef would say five grains. It's a targum of Hamesha Saminim. That's what Alalta is, Tvua. But according to Rava, that it might include any profit, any, any gain. In a very broad sense, it'll even restrict him from rental income. Extremely broad, according to Rava. Why? The Ran is saying, since it's a suffix, it's a question that was not resolved, we have to be stringent when it comes to vows. So he's, he's going to the other extreme. The Ran and the Rush will be arguing in a major way. If somebody asserted, they pre- prevented, they took a vow, that they're not going to be eating or benefiting from Alalto. The rush is going to learn all the way like Rav Yosef, that it means just five grains. The Ran is going to say, L'chomra, everything is restricted, even income. Even rental income where there's where there's pras, where there's depreciation. A, a huge debate over here. So that's the base Yosef says, V'chein pasuk haran, V'kivon deboi derava lo ifshta, Hilkach lo gavi, Meschar batim, Diyad baal shtar al tachtona, Says perhaps the broad interpretation of Alalta that the Gemara is presenting in Rava's estimation to include so much, perhaps that is specifically in the context of a tzavo, we have somebody giving over of his properties. So he's trying to do some type of tzedakah, tzedakah, whatever he's doing. So there we will interpret al-alta as kol mili. Interesting, his girsa, he sounds like he's saying is 12,000 zuzay. Our gemara says 13,000 zuzay. From the best of his assets. Or any income or accrual of value that, that increases from his properties. Since he's giving, he's giving in a generous way. But when it comes to a vow, when there's no generosity implied, so there's no reason to interpret Alalta so broadly. So we're pushed to say that what does he mean Alalta? He's taking a vow, restricting himself from grain, from the five grains. He just did it in the Aramaic form. So that is the, the Beis Yosef's 
exposition over here to say that there's a fundamental difference between the term alalta in context where gift is being given, that's where it's being used so broadly, and where it's being used, the term alalta, for a vow, so then it's, it's clearly just being used as a targum of tvua. doesn't mean that he's restricting everything from himself. If I can't, we'll, we'll understand it to be a simple restriction of five grains. If we look in Shulchan Aruch, Reshid Zayin Sif Yirches, the Machaber Paskins, Hanoder Mehat Tavua, when it takes a vow restricting himself from Tavua, which is universally understood as limited to the five grains, Oh, Hanoder Me'alalto, or he takes a vow restricting himself from Alalto, which is the Targum of Tavua, the Aramaic translation, Eino Aser Ela B'chameshes Minin. He's only restricted from the five grains. And this same halacha applies to when it takes a vow restricting himself from dagon. So the Mechaber Paskins that all three terms is just five grains, at least as it relates to vows. Tvua, Pashat, Alalta is a very wide Interpretation of what Alalta includes, and Dagon, we have the Machlokes, Rabbi Meir, and the Chachamim, and the Machabras Paskening, like the Chachamim, that is Dafka, five grains. Not include dry goods that are also gathered together, not like Rabbi Meir. Let's see the Taz. The two across the Vilashonom. Mehadagon, Rabbi Meir, Sha'as, Bechol, Minikit, Mias, Chutz, Mechilka. Quoting the Braisa that the tour quoted, that Rabbi Meir holds that Dogon is broad. Although it's broad, it does not include even five grains that have been chopped up and are no longer stored that way. Chachamim say, no dry goods, doesn't include beans. Dried beans, only five grains. It appears, says the tour, that my father, my master, the rush, rules like Rabbi Meir. This we saw in the tour, that he follows the psak of the Ramban and the Rambam, that the halacha is like the Chachamim. And it's a wonder. Why did the tour not mention Aris? That it's not restricted. The tour did say the Chilka, these chopped into five grains, the, the five grains that are chopped into two, three, four pieces are excluded. So he mentioned that. Why didn't he mention Aris? Rice. Now, in our version, of the tour, right? He says, and he does not mention anything about rice. Doesn't mention eris. And the Prisha says, "Tzarachin." The Beis Yosef Maisi Brisa, the Kasuba Nami, Chutz Me Eris, Divrei Meir, 
So this question is the precious question. Why is the Torah not mentioning Ares? The tour holds that the Chachamim were more lenient when it comes to vows. What is restricted? They are more lenient than Rabbi Meir. They say limited to five grains. They hold anything beyond the five grains is permissible. Of course, they're going to be lenient in that which Rabbi Meir is makele about. Rabbi is lenient about the five grains that are chopped up. Even though it is wheat, one of the five grains. Once it's no longer subject to digon, it's no longer restricted. Prisha quotes this in the name of Marsha. The Ramam should have written that these are permissible. nearly that this is the interpretation of the tour. It's enough that he mentions that the halacha, even five grains that are chopped up, are no longer included in the restriction. Uh, that, that you'd only have a half minute in Rabbi Meir, that it might be included, the Kol Shekin, in the Chachamim. And he's passing like the Chachamim. It's, it's obviously not included. That's why the Torah only quoted that element of the Brisa that is actually a Chidish, because it is from the five grains. According to the Halacha, the Hainu Chachamim, we have a Mevi Gam Ariz, he says, but I'm, I'm not saying that one should rely on this, because although it's halacha, he says it's not lamaisa. That he, he's not willing to, to say that a person should actually be lenient in the five grains that are chopped up into pieces. Although Rabbi Meir said this, Maybe the Chachamim really argue. And although the tour paskins that way, he says that's Salacha, but not Lamaisa. Because if somebody actually takes a nether, restricting himself from the, the Lishonos, Dagon, that include five grains, according to the Chachamim, that's the Psak. What about wheat that's been chopped into pieces? On that he says, maybe in theory, although Rabbi Meir is Mekel, because he looks at the way it's stored, in theory, it's possible that the Chachamim argue and will be machmer and say, no, it's still five grains. So in as much as the Shulchan Aruch is not willing to codify the leniency that the, the tour seems to believe, that's the way he's understanding it, he doesn't think it's halach lamaisa, he's not willing to, to cash the check, so to speak. He's saying, no, it's not halach lamaisa, and he would have to restrict himself from eating these chopped grains from the five grains. So if it's wheat, wheat kernels cut into two, three, or four pieces, lamaisa He's saying to be machmer because one could understand the Chachamim as being more machmer and saying it is five grains, that's it, it's included. And only Rabbi Meir, who looks at how it's stored, will be lenient even by five grains when it's cut up. Rikiv says over here, 
Oh, Hanodim el Alto, and Beis Yosef. Directs us to look at Beis Yosef, which we saw a part of it. Mikol Malcolm Kashali. Nonetheless, I don't understand. Says Rabbi Kivega. Nehidi Shlomar, Kain Bedasa Tur. Even though you could say this from the perspective of the tour, Hamikol Malcolm, Ema, the cause of Haran, Inasmuch as the Ran holds that it's it's a question that is not resolved and we have to be stringent. It's clear, clear as day, according to the Ran, that the term Alalto, we have to be Machmer to include Komili. This is a biblical question. The person takes a nether, restricting themselves from halalto, and there's a machlokis what that includes. How could the machaber be so mekel, asks Rabbi Kiveger, to say it only includes five grains? How could he say that? Why is he not concerned for the opinion of the Ran? Why is he totally rejecting the opinion of the Ran to say that halalto is not more than five grains? Why is he not concerned? The Ran says that Alalta is broader than that. For Nadarim. Safik al-Khumra. Naktin al-Khumra. That's what the Ran says. The Kulan Bakhlal. All the way to the extreme. So why is the Beis Yosef in Shokhanar marginalizing the Ran on a Safik Daraisa? That's what Bikivega's Kasha. There's not a Pshat. Peschechuva has a different Kasha. We saw the Gemara says, as we saw, Tvua means five grains, not controversially, both Chachamim and Rabbi Meir, but Tvua's Hasode, in explaining the verse in Divrei Yomim, means everything. It's a broad terminology. So why doesn't anybody talk about Tvua's Hasode? Doesn't know. L'chera Tvua's Hasode, he's saying, should be a broad term. And he didn't find anybody talking about it. Let's take a look at the Arach HaShulchan. This is in Simon Reishud Zayin Sif Lamed Hay, corresponding to Sif Yerches in Shulchan Aruch. Kosov Rabbeinu Abes Yosef Pesif Yerches. Hanoder mitvua o hanoder me'alalto. Whether he takes a vow restricting himself from tvua, five grains, or alalto, which is the targum of tvua. Kuloma, dova, mu'ua u'meshubach. Something that is coming up and a, a benefit, some some shevach, some pro- product, produce. The only thing that is prohibited to him is five grain produce. and they are wheat, barley, spelled for and oats. He doesn't say it in that order. This halach applies to one who restricts himself from dogon, paskening like the Chachamim against Rabbi Meir. Ve'ata, says the Aruch HaShulchan, and now, lefi loshen midonuseinu, lit based on the vernacular in our countries, in Lithuania and Russia. Right? When it comes to Nadarim, it's important to know that the neder is that the vow is going to be in accordance with the vernacular. What is meant? What is implied in 
that person's speech. So it's important to contextualize. Says the Aruch HaShulchan, now, Shem Dogon Metagaminen Karim, corn. Zeru Shifon. He says the way that we translate Dogon, grain, is corn. And it, this is rye. If you want to get specific, Shazeru Kol Ma'ach Medisena. That's what we eat a lot of. Ve'hakemach Mizeh Korn Etzleno Kemach Dogon. And the rye flour we call just grain flour. And the term tvua, grain, includes for us all five grains. Levad kusmin. Other than kusmin, spelt we don't have. In Adulana, we don't know about that. In a Matsubinusino, spelt is not around here. And the term alalta, which is Aramaic, we don't have that at all. The flour, when not designated what type of flour, that includes both wheat flour and rye flour. But flour made from barley or oats, those are not included in undifferentiated flours. If you just say the word flour, you don't mean the unusual flowers of even these grains that are found by him of barley and oat. If you want to talk about those types of flowers, you're going to have to say the flower of barley or the flower of oat. That's Arach telling you, in his time, in his place, in Lithuania and Russia, and Alalto is totally non-existent, there is no parallel. If somebody actually uses the Chamalalta, so then you're going to have to go based on the din, which we saw as machlokis, l'chera, machlokis, between the Rosh and the Ran. And Shulchan Aruch is Mekel. says it's only Chamesh Yisaminim. The Ran is Choshesh, that it means more. That was Rupi Kasha. Why be so Mekel? On this previous sugya that discussed, that we just finished seeing about mushrooms, it's an interesting siyua from this Gemara to the Arach HaSholchan. The Arach HaSholchan in Hilchus Brachos, Simen Reish Dalet, Archaim Reish Dalet, Sifhei, writes as follows, Balkmeno Pitrius, and concerning mushrooms and truffles, or some type of fungus, Shekar and Shvemlach that are called mushrooms. Kishaochlin Oson Bifne Atzmon, if they're eaten by themselves, Achar Shinis Bashlo, after they are cooked, very important. Mushrooms are totally indigestible if they're eaten raw. You can ask a mycologist, verify this. They have no benefit. A person cannot digest them. But if they're cooked, then we can talk. Says the Rachel, now that they're cooked, Shahakal. Then the blessing becomes Shahakal. As we saw, even though they also do derive some of their growth from the land, nonetheless, their, their primary growth, they're raised up from the, the air and not grown fundamentally like other plants. 
fungus, mushrooms, they're their own branch, their own mahalach. They, they do not grow like other things, like other plant life. So therefore, the appropriate blessing is shahakal, not bori priyadama. Ukmein mikri osun shnivran tachas hakarka, nivran mishuman arts. Kmein are those that grow under the land, truffles, and they, they are grown forth from the fat of the land. Pitrius, hemin achash golem pamim ba'itzim. And pitrius are other types of fungus, mushrooms, that sometimes grow on, on, uh, on wood. You can grow mushrooms on, on an old uh, stump or old log, prisha. Vanillin is daiti. Cesar hachashokhan. Vdiyavet. If somebody made the wrong bracha, the person should say shahakal on cooked mushrooms. But what if he made bari adama? Yatsa. Says He's fine. He does not need to say bar He doesn't have to go back and make shahakal. He's fulfilled his obligation. Since they do derive something from the land, as an aside, if these Throwing them into some other dish, of course, they'll be tafel to that dish. But the, the main yesod, says the Archa is that they are somewhat gaining from the ground, and it's, although not really appropriate to call it pre hadama, the fruits of the ground, it's good enough. It is technically correct that it's gidulo minaretz bidiyavid. And so that's, that helps with the last lines of the Gemara. Lansan's Gemara was struggling with the terminology of the Brisa, putting together Kmein and Pitrius, the, the idea that they should be restricted uh, from, from uh, Gedule Karka, Asr Bekulon, and yet the blessing is Shakal Niabidvaro. So Gedule Karka, it comes forth from the land. It's, it is restricted. It doesn't inclu- includes a restriction on these mushrooms and truffles. And the uh, Abaye said, "Mirva rovo me'ara." It does grow from the land. Manik mavira yanki But its sustenance is from the air, not from the ground. tani tani yonik It does grow from the from the earth. It's just not sustained from the earth. But it is actually a growth from the earth. And there is the implication is it's, it's not a strong, sharp change in the text of the Brisa, just the interpretation. It's talking about the Iker, not the Tafel. But the, the primary sustenance is Me'avir. It's called from the, the land. It's not gaining from the earth in a standard method that plants do. And therefore, it's but as Aruch says, it's still called Gedilam in Aretz, and it is Yonik even somewhat, to a degree, from the Aretz. Just primarily, it's, it's Yonik from Avir, not primarily from the land. Let's see the Mishnah. Hanoder min haksus, moter besak, bria, obechamila. Somebody took a vow, prohibiting from himself from benefiting to, uh, from garments. So he's still permitted to don sackcloth or a, a curtain 
a, th a thick cloth that is, is like a curtain. These are not garments. Ama konam tema ola alai. If he said concerning wool that he's treating it as prohibited, like a, an offering, an elevation offering upon himself, he is nonetheless allowed to, to cover himself with the just raw wool before it's right after shearing before it's been processed. That's not the tzemer that he's talking about. Pishton, the Barthes at the Hay, Ole Olai, in a similar vein, he says that flax is like an elevation offering upon me, restricted. He is nonetheless able to cover himself with anite pishon, with uncombed flax. Rebuda says context is critical. And this is similar in concept to the idea that it goes after Lashem Bnei Adam. So this is even more precise not just the general vernacular, but the specific context of the vow. Ta'an ve'ezia, if he was carrying this burden and sweating, by reicha kasha, and it emitted an unpleasant smell, amai konam semer pishtim ola alai, and he said, in this context, that the burden that he's carrying is bothersome, and he wants to restrict himself from wool and flax, as though they were an elevation offering, he's allowed to actually wear garments made from these materials, but he may not carry them, sling them on his back, because that was the context where he swore off of them, but not in, the, in, in a restriction, he didn't mean to restrict himself from wearing them as garments. Let's see the Gemara. Tanya. When it takes a vow from garments, as we saw in the Mishnah, a similar brisa that is permitted for these non-garments, sackcloth or a type of curtain or a thick curtain-like material. Also, but he's prohibited in a slew of garments that are actually garments, it's a money belt, Fishula, Rashi says, which is a type of belt. Obe skrutya, obe katvalya, vanpalya, opalinya, omechnasayim vekova. So, iskratya, Rashi says the Gemara doesn't explain what that means. Katvalya, malbushal or kashe, some type of hard leather garment. Shalovish al askrutya that goes on top of this garment, which the Gemara is going to get into what it is. And palio, hushashpilaz shalor, which is some type of boots. Palinya, sinar, is another type of sash or belt. The Gemara says, uh, and also mechnasan vakova are a pants and a, and a hat. All these are garments that are restricted. My iskruti, what is this? in the series of garments that are mentioned that are restricted, 
Which Rashi explains, Malbu shel or, it's a type of leather garment. The round explains, Skratio katvalio, Kula mini malbushim shel or, these are all types of leather garments. Mafarish, my Skratio, kituna ditsilo. What is it? Choluk shel or, it's a type of tunic made from leather. Shalov shem avdonin albigdam. That those that work with tanning put on top of their garments. So it's a type of thick and hard garment that is worn on top of the regular garment. That also is included in this nether of ksus. If he restricted himself from ksus, this is included. Tanya, Tanya Braisa, Yotun Basak Avet, one can go out on Shabbos. We're allowed to wear garments, we can't carry things. One, one is permitted to go out with thick sackcloth. Visagos Avet, Min Saku Avet Fe Miria. This is even thicker than the cloth of the curtains of Uriah, as well as going out with Uriah, and also this other thick, large cloth. If he's wearing these things to protect himself from the rains, so even though it's not a standard garment, he's allowed to use it as a garment on Shabbos to wear it in a way that's protecting him from the rain. But he's not allowed to go with a, a box or a basket uh, or, or some type of uh, container that is clearly not a garment at all, just on top of him to protect himself from the rain. That he's not allowed to do on Shabbos. And the shepherds are permitted to go out wearing sackcloth, coarse garments, even though it's stated in the context of shepherds, it doesn't only mean shepherds. Any person can go out wearing sakim, these sackcloths. Why does it say roim? It's really applicable to all people, but the Chachamim spoke in a manner that was common, meaning who wears sackcloth? That's shepherds. Shepherds wear these coarse garments. So that's typical. But anybody else is also permitted to go out with these garments. The next part of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yudah says, it all goes in accordance with the one taking the vow. Chulu. Tanya, Ustana Braisa, Ketza, how does this play out? Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Everything is in accordance with the one taking the vow. If he was wearing a garment of wool, the Hatser, and he was uncomfortable because of that, and he said, wool should be prohibited to me, like an elevation offering, and he's not allowed to wear wool garments. But he's allowed to carry and schlep wool on his back. If he was carrying flax on his back, and he started sweating, and it was uncomfortable for him, and said he wants to restrict flax upon himself as an elevation offering, he's allowed to wear linen. 
but he's not allowed to schlep it, to carry it on his back. That's where the context that he was restricting it, that was what he swore off of. So it, it all depends on the context. Says Rashi, if it's totally incompatible with a garment, like these uh, box, uh, container, uh, basket, something like that, that's considered a burden, even though he's using it to protect himself, but it doesn't become a malbush. The next case that we look at the context of the one taking the vow, he only restricted himself from wearing a garment. If he was wearing, as we saw, wool, and it was bothering him, and he says he's swearing off of it, he's allowed to schlep wool. He was only bothered by the garment that was wool. If he was schwitzing from the heavy burden, and he swore off of the type of material he was, he was carrying, this case was flax. He only swore in accordance with the burden that was bothering him. Therefore, if he wants to wear a garment made from flax, made out of linen, that is not restricted. That was not included in his vow. It all depends on the context.